You are listening to Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. Jay Binkley, Chris Unocero, I am Nick Schwartz, Julio Sanchez. Running the board San, for us tonight. Sanchez. Sanchez. Get it right. Is it Sanchez? It's Sanchez. That is correct. Yeah. Sorry. Correct pronunciation. You know what? He gets very mad when you say it wrong. Okay, fine. Thank you. Okay, then I guess we're just going to air out dirty laundry about pronunciations. Uh, Bink's been saying Jackson Smith he Enigma it, it, the it, entire and show, it, and nobody corrected him. And it irks me every time he says Enigma. Turn your mic on if you're going to yell. I've been singing Jigba. No, no, you, you have not. You have not said this is the first time I've You have ever said heard Enigma. You Jackson Smith Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> I have a trouble with that name. And, <laughs> and he says Quentin Johnston's name's wrong. He says Johnson. JSN. That J-S-N. one is Johnston. a little. That one's a little no, more it's forgivable. Not. It's, it's a T. You JSN. I don't Johnston. say Chase Daniels. Okay, we're not talking about Chase right now. We're talking about receivers in the JSN. Draft. And you say Johnson instead of Johnston every time. Quentin Johnston. I actually. And, I'm gonna be honest. I, I. It took me like halfway through the football season to learn it was Johnston. I, 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 it, it was the same for me, but I made sure I had my pronunciations on point before we started doing this podcast. All right. Everybody got it down pat. Julio Sanchez. Sorry, Julio. Nick Schwartz. Nick Schwartz. Everybody get that one right. I do. I've had that right. For All right. Jackson time. Smith. In Jigba. In Jigba. There we go. Good job, Good job buddy. Good job. Guys, Somebody th- gives me a lot of crap for Belichick. Is, I know it seems like sort of like... <laughs> It seems like it doesn't matter to the Chiefs because they're not in on quarterbacks, but we just talked about Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback who I think was cruising towards a Heisman vote, of which I have one, Bink, by the way. I didn't know Would you, you did have that. used the Heisman vote you have for him? If I mean, he was he was running away from the field at one point, it felt like. Until he was hammered. Yeah, and that's too bad. But now all of a sudden that he is creeping back into the first round in a lot of mock drafts it matters. It matters in the case that that's one more player who is now a first-round prospect that the Chiefs don't care about, that take, the Chiefs aren't going to take. Takes another guy off the board that 31 starts moving down to 23. So if we all are if, if we all are in agreement that there are probably, at least now, maybe five first-round prospects at the quarterback position. Which want to work out. Just how much does that help the Chiefs sitting there at pick 31? I, I think it helps it a ton. And everybody's looking for that quarterback. Everybody's looking for that Mahomes, that Josh Allen. They know they're not getting Mahomes. They know that they're, that's an outlier. They're pushing past it. They tried to get him. They tried to look for that type, and everybody's you know wants that type of, of quarterback. Even Trey Lance has been working out in the offseason with Patrick Mahomes. But finding that quarterback is an inexact science. Last year, we had one quarterback taken in the first round, Kenny Pickett. That was the one quarterback taken in the first round. 2021, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to make it. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Mac Jones for the Patriots. He got some outside help throwing the football. Bill Bill doesn't like that. He doesn't like any outside help. And so there's talk about them moving it, which I find interesting because that could be yet another quarterback going off the board with the Patriots now picking 14th, which I don't think will be Will Levis. But let's, let's face it, if there is you know some teeth to the rumor, which there's a lot of them out there that the Patriots want to move on from, from uh, Mac Jones, they got to have someone to throw the ball. That becomes... I don't know if they want to restart, rebuild with the, with the new quarterback again, but that becomes interesting um, for the Chiefs. That's 21. 2020, uh, Joe Burrow, he's going to make it. Tua, jury's still out. Justin Herbert, surefire. Then Jordan Love, and we really don't know. Next year after that, 2019, was Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and then, of course, the late Dwayne Haskins. So the bottom line is there is no guarantee in first round in 18 is hilarious. Mayfield, Darnold, 
Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Two of those have, quote, made it. When you get to this point where the Chiefs are in, you just hope a lot of positions you have no interest in drafting get drafted before. You're hoping that the field of the positions that you would like to draft is pretty pretty thick where you're at. I mean, I, it was very nice for the Chiefs being able to move up because you saw a corner that you really coveted sliding. It was really great for the Chiefs because they needed an edge rusher bad last year. And I don't think anybody expected Carl Loftus, except for the dude at CBS that kept mocking him to to the Chiefs, for him to be there at 30. So it was really helpful for them in that position. So this year, you're hoping that a lot of positions that the team doesn't really need, doesn't really care about right now. George is a great example. Because everybody had him going 13th yeah, remember to 15th that, to 16th. By the way, didn't have him sliding where he was. Remember that. In case you're falling in love with the guy who's routinely being locked, mocked in the team. Because I you're, purposely didn't mock him to the Chiefs. Right. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at mocks and you're saying, oh, man, I wish this guy would be available, but it looks like he's a little bit out of our price range. I wouldn't be too sure. Maybe uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba will be there at 31. Man, that would be you, awesome. You can get his name right. George Karloftis <laughs> finished third in the NFL in sacks with the rookies. That, that's insane. Behind Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston of Detroit, there was George Karloftis. Third in the NFL as a rookie with six sacks. Rookies do not get a lot of sacks. Micah Parsons has, what, 12 a couple years ago and kind of stayed the way. And then when uh, Chase Young won, it was like, what, the eight and a half. I mean, rookies do not get a lot of sacks. Yeah, and and the fact that he got six last year is, is really good. And, it, it, and certainly it's encouraging about what he could do in the long term. And I think that his development so quickly could be something that helps the Chiefs out as far as not feeling the pressure to go out and be – like, let's go get an edge rusher in the first round. Micah Parsons is getting 13. That was such right. an outlier. Yeah, so it opens things up in the first round. That's why I don't I don't really think edge rusher goes, you know, happens in the first round now, especially him, the, them getting a minihue. So they've got options here that don't involve them going edge rusher, and I think that opens things up for them. A lot less positions you got to worry about now. Yeah, and I, well, I wondered, too, like edge rusher, we talked about this a little bit in the first hour. Edge rusher is thought of as this premium position where if you want to get one of the best, you got to get them early, right? Because that's outside of quarterback. It's really probably the number two position that you would expect to see a top five pick or a top ten pick go. Like right now, Will Anderson Jr. is probably going to be a top five, maybe a top three pick. Yeah. Same with Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. If you are a premier player at that position, generally you go high, then all of a sudden you get George Karloftis, and we'll see what his career becomes. But based off his rookie season, like you got everything you wanted out of him. And James Houston is a 2021 top 28 sackers because eight of them were tied. Because you look at top 20, 18 were first round, 12 of them were first 15 picks. 12 of those, those guys in 28. The last year out of the top 24, 11 first rounders, 10 of them one through 16. That is a high number. 10 of them one through 16 on 24. One was picked 31, so 11 out of the 24 were first-rounders. You can't get them the second rounds, four second-rounders taken in, but we're seeing more and more uh, uh, players slide on the scale where the edge rushers are now going later. Like a James Houston, whoever saw that, that he'd be a second-leading rookie sacker last year. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things, and this is another reason why I don't think the Chiefs need to like press for a, an edge rusher, they run a lot of rotation on their defensive mm-hmm. line. They mix guys around. They move them all over the place. There were times where George Karloftis was playing a zero technique 
they move guys around. Dana, a lot of times, would rush on pass rushing downs from a three technique. Like, they're just moving guys all over the place. We obviously saw last play from scrimmage on defense, AFC championship game. You had your best defensive tackle and Chris Jones rushing off the edge. They move guys around all the time, and they do a, a heavy rotation. Spags loves giving a bunch of different guys reps there uh, rushing the passer. So I think they could go second, third day, get cute, get somebody they think they can develop who could be a rotational guy, and you can see if you can do like you did with Adana, get like five sacks out of him in a season, and he can just add on to what you already have on your team. Because I kept hearing this, you know, Mahomes makes wide receivers great. Well, you know what Steve Spagnola did with the defense is insane. For the Chiefs to go up 24 sacks, Without that prototypical sack guy and going with a rookie and Karlathis was six, he manufactured his pass rush. The Chiefs one of the leading teams was with secondary blitzes last year. You had Jerry Steed coming in from the nickel. You had Nick Bolton get a couple from the inside. I mean, they manufactured their pass rush, Chris Jones inside and outside. Getting to number two in the NFL in sacks last year was really a credit to Steve Spagnola in the way that he used. Hey, we'll go fresh over talent sometimes. Be fresh, like you say, Chris, and we'll get back there into the backfield. But the reason I say house money, Nick, is because you don't have to worry about the quarterback anymore. Like that, like the Jets. They're sitting there worried about Aaron Rodgers. What's he going to do? Okay, then. So then don't waste, to pick to... On, don't waste to pick on Stetson Bennett then. You know what I'm saying? No, nah, you gotta, still got to have a backup. <laughs> no, you just said house money. I have you my just theory. said I, house money. Hey, if if you let me, you can <laughs> use a pick on Stetson Bennett in the sixth round. The only yeah. reason I'm saying this, and the text lines ask a few Stetson questions, the only reason I say that is Andy Reid Reed covets way. experience in two places. Left tackle. Got to have some NFL experience and backup quarterback. Because Chad Henney, who are you going to trust to go 98 yards in the playoffs, a guy that's been in the NFL? I don't care how good he's been, but he's seen the fire in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett, to me, is the only guy in college football, If you because free agent quarterbacks are drying up. But if you said, okay, what quarterback in college football do we trust that has ice water in the veins where no moment is too big? It'd be the guy that's back-to-back championship game MVPs. One of four quarterbacks in the history of college football to win back-to-back national titles. That's a guy that doesn't freeze up under pressure. That is a guy, well, unless the Patriots. They took Ryan Mount, took Matt Castle, flipped these guys for picks. But he is the one guy, the one outlier in the late rounds you can grab that's had his feet to the fire. 913-586-7610, guys, if you want to join the conversation. From the 913, uh, Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL. So if you've got... uh, Great take right there. You got more takes like that. Send them our way. That's a great take right there. Let's discuss that. Is he the best quarterback in the NFL? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen a quarterback like Stetson Bennett since Patrick Mahomes. You know what? I was right on that. I have not seen a quarterback as much. (laughs) And I said Lamar Jackson's better than Josh Rosen. Never forget sitting here saying that that night. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. All right, guys, I want to start throwing some names out there. I want to know who you have the Chiefs taking at pick 31. I don't want any more positions. I don't want five names. I don't want six. I want one name and I want you to give it to me on the other side. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, enough with the preamble. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. We've gone an hour and 18 minutes into this show. 
And I want names. I want you to name names. I'm the principal. You're in trouble. I need you to tell me who was graffitiing the football stadium. We're not snitching, dude. I need you guys. Ain't no snitches in this room except for you. To give me names for the Chiefs in the first round. Specifically one name. You're sitting the snitch line, buddy. All right. We are three (laughs) weeks away. That's right. It is a Thursday, and we didn't do the snitch line today on Cody and Gold, so we can do it now. Hey, hey, we don't don't get paid to do the snitch line. That's y'all thing. Listen. We're helping the community. We are worth parking. All right. We are. Yeah, we, we are. are. By the yeah, way, we are going to save some of y'all some money. By the way, just uh, to that point, we have a VIP parking space giveaway with Crown Center here on 610 Sports Radio. That's four spaces for Thursday, Friday, and two for Saturday in the Pershing Garage. You can win tickets on Thursday, April 20th on the 31 starting at 7.31 a.m. on Fesco in the morning. That's parking in the Crown Center Garage's daily rate of $50.00. You're getting four sp- four spaces for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which is about as good as a, of a deal as you can get because I'm here to tell you, uh, draft week, draft uh, those three days are going to be mayhem. Those are premium. We might be the only sports station in the country. That's right. That's right. We also got drafts and drafts on Tuesday, April 25th, 6.30 p.m. from the Landing in Liberty Roundtable discussion plus an audience Q&A. I will be emceeing that with Nate Taylor of The Athletic, former Chiefs tackle Mitchell Schwartz, and a very special guest who uh, we cannot announce yet, but I'm here to tell you you're going to want to be there. The event's free, open to the public. You can come out there, raise your hand. We'll give you the mic, ask some questions, drink some beers, eat some food. It's going to be a great time. And, of course, Friday, the three of us, the Character Concerns podcast, is going to be live from Cinderblock Brewery following the Royals game roughly around 7 p.m. So we will be broadcasting during, after the second and third yeah. rounds of the draft. And we have a awesome, beer guys. that I've been told. I got to pick the candy bar that went with the beer. You picked the candy bar? I picked the candy bar <laughs> with a the candy, beer. Is wow. a candy guys, bar. Guys, this, this, this is incredible beer. beer. This is incredible. Okay. Beer. Okay. All right, let's get down to it, guys. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Pick 31. Chiefs are on the clock. Who are they taking? I think he'll be there. I know there's some concerns about it. He's been moving up and down boards. Um, I'm going to go Jalen Hyatt. Damn I know <laughs> you can take him too. You can take it too, Bing. It's okay. We're not. This isn't exclusive. What do I say about plagiarism? <laughs> this is not exclusive for me. I, I I think, though, like if I think of any receiver that fits what the Chiefs like to do, it's Jalen Hyatt the most. He is what they need. They need a guy who has big playability down the field that isn't MVS. I, I like MVS, really talented guy, not reliable. They need a guy that they can develop in-house that's going to put in the work, that's going to uh, be the kind of player that they are missing since they traded away Tyreek Hill for the five picks. And I, I feel like Jalen has that. There was limits to what he did at Tennessee because he was mainly a slot receiver. He did not do all the things that – You've seen receivers do in Kansas City over the last few years. Didn't do all the motions and stuff like that. Um, I know that there's some concerns about his ability after the catch. Uh, I think he's shown promise in that regard. I think he's incredibly gifted as a runner. I think he's incredibly gifted down the field. He's got great feet. I think he does everything that the Chiefs covet, and that's why I think he is what the Chiefs need the most right now, and that's why I think – he is. He'll be there at thirty-one because of the size issues and whatnot. Not everybody covets receivers the same way the Chiefs do, but I think he's exactly what they need. It's supply and demand. You know who's actually out there and who isn't. I, I like Jalen Hyatt. He was behind Cedric Tillman at Tennessee until Cedric got hurt and really just starred. 
and was the best wide receiver in college football, won the Blitnikoff. But to me, really stands out almost to 19 yards per reception. That is a guy, like you said, that can spread the field, get out there. He ran 4-4 speed. Sky Moore is extremely fast. He's 4-4-1 guy. Like the one guy, MDS, is 6'4", 210 pounds. And he ran a 4-3-7 at the combine. But we haven't seen it. MVS, not this year, but the year before when he was in Green Bay, had the fastest time mile per hour wise down the field, even more than Tyreek Hill. We just weren't able to see it. I want to see it. I want to know why we didn't see it. Jalen Hyatt's the type of guy to take the top off a of defense. And I'm tired of this. Well, Mahomes could take any wide receiver and make him great. True, but there comes a time like that Bengals game when they're out of receivers and they need talent. The MO of this football team is scoring points. The Chiefs were number one points per drive, number one scoring offense, number one passing offense, the only team over 300 yards passing in the NFL, which is insane that they didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver except for their tight end, Kelsey. But this is what the Chiefs are. They're a put pressure on you defensively, move the football down the field. Jalen Hyatt's the type of guy to take that type off the defense. Like you said, he's got incredible hands. Not only that, can get to the end zone as well with the 15 touchdowns uh, last season. Unbelievable player uh, this season. I want to do a draft crush segment later on in the show because draft crush is, I think, different than, like, who do you think the Chiefs are taking? That's the point of this conversation. But that, that's always been mine. Right. It? Yeah, right. But, like, <laughs> yeah, but there are guys, like, there are guys, like, that I'm really high on that I just don't think are realistic to be there at pick 31. Who'd but, you draft today? Did you guys do a mark draft? No, we had a short show today. But I'm going to tell for me, the player that I keep coming back to is Felix and Utica Uzama from Kansas State. I think the big, the, big, well. the big reason why is because if I were if I were ranking the, the positions of need, I think wide receiver would be number one. I just like the depth better at edge rusher than I do at wide receiver this year. If we were having this exact same conversation last year, I would have been wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. thought that class was deeper. I liked the guys around the 20 to 40 range better than I do this year. I think maybe the pocket of value at wide receiver – will be better in the second round than it will be in the first round. And Yudike Uzama, he just, for me, he checks every single box for what you would want specifically for an edge rusher in Spag's system. He has, he's got the frame, he's got long arms, he is explosive, high motor, and he's ultra productive at his age. Think about this. He's going to be 21 years old still by the time next season starts. And when you compare that to some of the other edge rushers in this class, think about this. Will McDonald, um, Keon White, I think, from Georgia Tech, those guys are going to be 24. 24 when next season starts. You can get a guy who's going to be three years younger, and GMs think about that kind of stuff. Maybe 29 by the second contract. that's a big deal when you're talking about the prospects of giving them a second contract, which may be a big contract. Like, how much can I get out of you? If I'm signing you to two deals, look at Chris Jones right now. Right, Chris Jones is entering the last year of his contract. He's 29 years old. Imagine if Chris Jones were entering the last year of his contract and he's 32. Big, big, big difference when you're the Chiefs and you're thinking about, okay, can we extend him a third time? Now, that's all pie-in-the-sky stuff. I think in the short term, he's been ultra-productive. Like, I, I don't want guys who broke out at age 22, 23 in college. He's had 19 and a half sacks each of the last two years. He's got bend around the edge. He's got the strength. I just think he kind of checks every box you'd want for an edge rusher. I I like him a lot. Here's the one thing I'll say, though. Bink's been talking a lot about trading back up in the second round, like trading up to the early, like somewhere mid mid to late 30s. Grab edge, grab receiver. I I honestly think you might be able to get Felix somewhere in in that late 30s range. 
because I he's a guy I've, I've seen regularly mocked to the Chiefs. I think he might be slipping a tiny bit. I think the Chiefs might be able to trade up high into the th- into the second round and go get him. And then at that point, you get Felix, you get Jalen Hyatt. At that point, everything you do after that is just gravy. At that point, you can get sexy with your picks, and you can start taking some shots at guys that you think you can develop down the line. I like that pick, but what would you do? In your ideal world, what would you do? Would you – Amenahu can play on the inside. Would you have him slanted more to the inside and bounce him and Chris Jones? Obviously, rotation. Karloft is probably going to be out there all the time. But what would you do? So I'm going to so cop out of that. So I'm going to cop out of that answer a little bit. <laughs> because I don't think that, and this is why I think it's a mistake to make a, a head coach in charge of player personnel, like do like a, a head coach GM. Not because people aren't capable of doing it, but because 30,000 foot view, GM's job is to make sure you're good for the next five years. Head coach's job is to make sure you're good next year. We can maybe talk more about this in another segment. I really don't think Brett Veach should be all that concerned with, let me get a guy. Like, I, we talk about this a lot on the show. Oh, like, well, can they can they help you from day one? Not Brett Veach's job. Brett Veach should not be out here making draft picks, especially in the first round, based off of, can he help me this year? They can't do Kando, though. You can't Brett, redshirt and right, redshirt. And but redshirt. Brett Veach's job is, what can this guy give us over the course of his rookie contract? What can he give us over the next four to five years? Will he be a guy potentially that we would want to give a second contract to? Andy Reid, you give Andy Reid the ingredients, he'll make it work. Or in this case, Steve Spagnolo. But but the second that a GM starts thinking like a coach and a coach starts thinking like a GM is when you you get into a situation where Kyle Shanahan drafts, trades up, drafts Trey Lance, and then sits him on the bench for a year. It's like, wait a minute, are you trying to win now? Or are you trying to win in the future? This guy had 13 starts in college. Don't you think maybe you should get him some reps? When those ideas start to conflict with one another, you realize why people hire GMs to do GM stuff and hire coaches to do coach stuff. So honestly, I don't really care what you do with him this year. If he if he plays 30, 40% of snaps, and then next year you phase Amenahue out a little bit more, that's fine. So you know later than wide receiver in the second round if you're doing this. Is where you're saying because that's yeah like that's a position more of a position of need wide receiver right now than I tell you tell you what I loved Todd McShay's mock from earlier this week like got me a little excited he had and UDK Uzama in the first round of the Chiefs and in the second <laughs> round um, he had Mingo the wide receiver yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. that's I, a that's a sexy I, two I, round I, mock. Have its size I, I will say this though about wide receiver it does not matter where they draft wide receiver. It's probably the, the player's probably not going to be an impact player first year because the Chiefs generally like take some time developing wide receivers. We generally like, I mean, what was McColl his rookie year? He was a gadget player and he, he didn't develop beyond that. But his first year, he wasn't a guy that was involved in the regular aspects of the offense. He was more so, okay, we've covered Kelsey, we've covered Tyreek. Oh, there's McColl streaking down the field. He's open. So it, it's one of those situations where receivers probably not, you're not going to draft a guy who's immediately going to be a, a big impact player anyways. So, I, again, I, don't, I and I agree with Nick on this. I don't think you're looking at it like who's going to help us this year. It's more so down the line. I think you want Karloftis' production, though. 
I think you want Karloff's production. You hope for Karloff's production. It took Karloff this little while, right. and then, then he finally got there. Now you, he's working out you, with Tom Bali in the, in the hand You hope movement. for that, but that is it's really hard to get guys to that point where they can get. I mean, you're happy if you get four to five sacks from. But they've been uh, drafting for impact. They have been drafting early for impact guys to go out there and play. And the one thing no, I, I, I don't do, think they have. I, I think they got lucky. I think they got lucky. I do like Uzama, and here's a good thing. He's from Lee Summit. I mean, the guy is a local kid. That would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I don't think they've been drafting for immediate impact. I mean, you remember when they drafted Mahomes? They were also drafting like Tano Passigno as well, and you were not happy about that. I think, I think the Chiefs are very much let's draft for down the road. All right, we'll talk more about what the Chiefs should be doing, not just day one, but day two. You got a second round pick. You got what, two third round picks as well. So you've got some. Sorry, three. You get two fourth round picks. So two six, three picks in the first two days. You got some, uh, you got some room to toy around with with all the success that you have from last year's draft class. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so on the text line nine one three five eight six seven six ten. You're listening to Character Concerns on six ten Sports Radio. You're listening to a six ten Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten is the text line. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. With Chris Uno, Sarah J. Binkley, I am Nick Schwartz. Julio Sanchez is producing for us tonight. We are with you till 9 o'clock. If you're new here, we do a little podcast called Character Concerns. It comes out every Tuesday morning, and we're talking all things NFL draft. All things Chiefs, not award-winning. I don't recall any awards. I gave it an award. I'll tell you what, if we're ever nominated for a reward, an award, I'm, I'm declining it. I give no, it an award. Don't, no, no, you don't decline awards. No, we're too good. We're too uh, good for we, the award. We, we, we don't, don't play those games. We don't. Hey, Bink, are you going to decline the award? No, I'm no, taking no, the award. Two out of three. We're not declining yeah. that If there's award. like pizza coupons or something that come with it, come on. You guys are sellouts. <laughs> Corporate sellouts. Yeah, uh, I like money, yeah. Yeah, let us know on the text line uh, what you think about this draft. 913-586-7610. The NFL draft begins three weeks from today. From the 816, is there any thought that we may trade up or trade down? So last year, as we know, the Chiefs traded up in the first round. They had two first-round picks. They traded up to pick 21, where they selected Trent McDuffie. That is the earliest the Chiefs have ever drafted since Brett Veach has been the GM, which is just Insanity, by the way, the idea, the idea that they've never drafted higher than 21st. And it's not like they had the 21st pick. They traded up to select someone to 21st. He's like going to get a veteran. Right. They, they took Karloftis at 30. They took Clyde Edwards Alaire at 32. You know, there are a couple years where he's many had, years, he's had two years where he didn't have the first round, pick. three years, yeah. actually. Yeah. Between Breland yeah, Speaks, yeah, Nicole tra- yeah, Hardman they traded, yeah, they and Nick Bolton. Pick, yeah. So they currently have the 31st overall pick. What do you guys think would be more likely that they would trade up earlier in the first round, which they did last year, or that they would trade out of the first round where, like you just mentioned, Chris, they have some experience going into the draft without a first round pick. Which of those two scenarios would be more likely for this year? I think trading back to the second round, getting another second rounder, like I said, where you could possibly move up uh, from that last pick in the second round. Why? Brett Beach does damage in the second, third round. It's kind of he called it a hot zone. 
uh, a couple of years ago. That's where he got Nick Bolton that came over in the Orlando Brown trade, got him with pick 58. I could see him because there's so many of these guys that are great as second rounders. Really, if you're not going to get any of the top 19, you might as well in the second round. I could see it. There's been, you know, a lot of debate and talk with the Chiefs, you know, being the first pick on the clock. Would they actually move down? Would people be disappointed? And I tell you, no. Because if you gave people an extra second rounder, guess what? Friday night's going to be lit down at Union Station because they're going to have two early picks going. But it might make more sense for him to do that, especially because when you're 31, you're essentially picking a second-round pick. So I think it's more likely they trade up. And the reason why is because I think receiver is a position that they're, they covet a lot. And I think this year is the year where there are some really good prospects. And I think that this is the kind of draft where you look at the 20s and you see some teams – that might push some, might create a run on receivers that you might want to avoid if you're the. Chief. Would you feel the same way if they went out and got a deal with DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to be? The, oh yeah, no. They if would, he was released if, and cut. If they, had, I still believe they need a draft receiver. But if they had Hopkins or if they had uh, OBJ right now, I think it'd be much more likely they trade back. Okay, but. I think at this point now, if you're the Chiefs, you know you cannot just take for granted that you're going to get one of those two or both. You can't take that for granted. So I think if in this position, if you don't have D-Hop out there available to acquire in free agency, because more likely he's going to be released, I think, um, and if OBJ's price doesn't come down, then I think you really have to just consider, hey, let's get aggressive. Let's go get a guy that we think we can develop. And there are teams that could draft receivers. I'm not confident that they're going to do it, but teams like the Bills, teams like the Ravens, Giants, um, the Giants as well. Like those are teams that could very well go receiver in the first round. And you can't take for granted that your board's going to fall the way that you do. So if Brett Veach feels like this is uh, going to be in a situation where there is a run on receivers in the twenties, then and they and they covet a, a guy like a Zay Flowers or like a Hyatt or an Addison, then they got to do what they got to do. Yeah, I don't know because I think with like falling the idea of falling in love or like going and getting your guy right, you ha- you really have to be careful about picking and choosing your spots. If you fall in love with Patrick Mahomes and he turns into a generational quarterback, then yeah, I'm sure you could convince yourself that hey, if we love a guy, we're going to go and get him. But I think one of the things that Brett Veach has been so great at so far, and it's important to remember he's very early, he's very young into being an NFL GM, is picking and choosing your spots like when you're going to fall in love with the guy versus saying, hey, follow the board, follow the trade chart. I'm not going to get giddy because I do think teams make mistakes when they say, hey, you know, we love Quentin Johnston. And he's sitting there at pick 22. Who, by the way, came for right? top 30 visit. And you try to trade up with the Ravens to get him. And all of a sudden, the Ravens start playing hardball. And then you overpay just because you're, you're convincing yourself, got to have him. I got to have this guy. He's the, and you, you, you really have to be careful about doing that. And the, really, the only time Brett Veach has done it is with Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, I don't think that they traded up because, like, we got to have Trent McDuffie. I think it was, hey, he's there. This team's willing to trade. Let's go make a move. We need another starter at cornerback. It was not like this holy cow, sell the farm, do whatever it takes to get Trent McDuffie, which I kind of go into this draft as well. If they trade up, it's going to be on draft night. And I think all their scouts came to consensus, including with Brett Veach, where they had their top 20 guys in the draft. 
And all of a sudden, one of their top 20 guys was starting to slide. And so they, that's why they went up, because they identified him as one of the top 20 players in college football going to the NFL. And that made it really tough for them to pick. And as I told you guys, Andy Reid gets a list of, you know, two to three guys. Which guy do you want? Don't forget, he doesn't pick them, but he does have influence. I don't think that they're going to – and, and Brett Veach really hasn't been that kind of guy that, that's going to go out there and sell the farm just to get a certain guy that he likes. Obviously, you want to make sure it's appropriate value paying to move up and get that guy. But if they've got a guy that they're really confident in could be a major impact player, not might be, like in this case, if he's got the Mahomes-like conviction on that player, then I don't – I think you go out there and get him, obviously – you still pay attention to value. You go by the Rich Hill trade chart like you swear by you swear by Bink. But I, I think you do have to, if you are really, if you have strong conviction about a certain player, they, I think you do what you do to go out there and get him for an appropriate value. And Bink, real quick before we t- go to break here, uh, is the Rich Hill trade chart, is that a f- second date conversation or do you wait for the third date to pop that out? You bring that at Chili's on the first date. Oh, that's a first date? Oh, Bink's yeah. got it laminated. You got to weed him out. You got to weed him out. He just starts quizzing them. So, uh, if they don't know the value of a second round pick, then yeah, what's it's the over. value of pick 25? Yeah. But I do want to tell you something about Brett Beach when we come back about his mentality and the way he's always gone about the draft, which I think does play into what's going to go on with the Chiefs. All right, let's do that. We'll, we'll talk more about Brett Beach coming up on the other sides. This is Character Concern, 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation at 913-586-7610. This is Character Concerns. Check out our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. We'll have a new episode out this coming Tuesday. We have a new episode out every single Tuesday. I'm Nick Schwartz, Chris and Osara J. Binkley. Bink, on the other side, you were talking about Brett Veach, kind of his draft philosophy, which I always think it's interesting talking about Veach and this Conversation gets more nuanced as the years go by. But like heading into last season, I always thought it was a little funny the way people would say, well, Brett Veach doesn't do this. Brett Veach doesn't do that. I'm like, you've got five off seasons to go off of, six off seasons to go off of. If he's going to be a GM for, let's say, 20, 25 years, 30 years, then we can't boil down every single philosophy of his GM strategy into what he did in this five-year pocket when he had a generational talent at quarterback making chump change. That's not the case anymore. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, according to Cap Hits, this upcoming season. What is your sort of blanket or general idea of what his draft philosophy is, at least when it pertains to the positions of need for this team? Well, I remember having him on. It was shortly after Mahomes got here. And, you know, the debate that went on between it was at Veach, who Lee Steinberg, did tell me, hey, it was Veach blowing up his phone the night of the draft. Was it Dorsey or Andy Reid? None of it. It was Andy Reid. 100% that's who picked the quarterback. But Brett Veach has always had that kind of bulldog mentality. He was the SEC scout in Philadelphia, which you don't become the SEC scout unless you know what you're doing. That's your top scout. And then when he got the Kansas City, he's doing SEC, where he personally watched these guys. And he'd come back and tell Andy Reid. Andy Reid's even made reference to it. that Once Brett Veach likes somebody, he hammers him with it. 
And I remember him talking about Kareem Hunt. You know, hey, go watch this guy on Maction on Wednesday night. And so Andy Reid was, you know, checking him out, what Kareem Hunt would do, and then tells him if he likes him or not. But Brett Veach, what he's doing is unheard of in the NFL. There's not another team that could say 21 the last 22 draft picks are still on the roster. One guy's on the practice squad in Cornell Powell. It would be 20 and 22, but I'm giving him the practice squad guy in Cornell Powell. Only Bo Peak Keys is not on the roster from these years. And I asked, I asked Brett that. A couple of years ago, down at the draft, I said, do you take advice of people in your department like you wanted your advice to be heard? Like when he would go to Andy Reid and, or, or go to you know Chris Ballard and the John Dorsey's of the world saying, man, you guys got to take a look at this guy. Like he gets enamored with who he's going to take. Is he going to take the advice of the other scouts like he was wanting his voice heard when he was at? And I think he's that way. I think he listens to the other scouts who've seen these players and I think that mentality is is gone out with Brett Veach. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how it changes now. Like I, I view, like if I'm looking at just specifically the Veach era, I look at the first five years differently than how I look at it now. I do think your your philosophy has to change when you're no longer because the we we all know this. The biggest asset you can have in the NFL is a an elite quarterback on a rookie contract. Because they're the most valuable pieces of the chessboard, and you're getting them for pennies on the dollar. I do think you have to change the way you think once you're paying a guy $40 million a year. I, I will say this. The first round, like you, you brought up the rookie contracts, those first round rookie contracts become even more valuable now. Because that's an extra year that you don't have to pay that guy market value if they live up to it. Mm-hmm. So... If you get Jalen Hyatt and he turns into a star wide receiver, well, that's five years you don't have to pay him market value as opposed to four. Like the Bengals are kind of in that position now where T. Higgins is on the last year of his rookie deal, and he's obviously going to want number one level money. And then Jamar Chase after that. But Jamar Chase, they've got two more years before they, yeah. they have to worry about that. So it gives them an advantage in that regard. And I, I think that's the reason why like they – they can't keep doing what they were doing a few years ago where they were trading first round picks for players. Now you got to start getting, you just got to start hitting with those first round picks because that's going to give you an extra year of not paying a player market value. And that's why that article by Albert Breer, the second week of the Super Bowl was so good when they, when they talked about how Brett Veach and how Brent Tillis, who does the, uh, the salary cap stuff for the chiefs, how they sat down and they wanted to pay him before he even started the game. Like he's behind Alex Smith. How we gonna? We think this guy's gonna be the MVP. We think this guy's gonna win a Super Bowl. How are we gonna pay him? Well, they figured out a way to do that and draft talent because they knew they were gonna have to draft well. You had to draft well if you're giving, giving Mahomes 17 percent of the contract. Do you realize Mahomes has the highest percentage of the team's salary cap for ever any quarterbacks ever won a Super Bowl? He's got the highest cap number of any quarterback that's ever won it. Meaning you better be good in other places. That's why I can tell you about Joe Burrow. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. Pay those guys and see if you can win. That's the key. Can you still pay your quarterback and win football games? Chiefs have proven they can. Yeah, and it's easier said than done. Like, I think a lot of teams a lot of teams think they have a structure in place, and then they get to the point and realize, like, oh, maybe we didn't plan this out as best as, best as we could because a lot of times you'll pay a guy because the, the, the idea is that uh, – Quarterback specifically, there's never really a bad contract because in five years' time, what seemed like a 
record-setting deal will all of a sudden be the fifth or the sixth highest-paid deal, which is why every single year that goes by, the Mahomes contract is going to look better and better. Yeah, I like the way they just practice smart football. Andy Reid goes back and watches the college game in the offseason. He sees what these players do, what makes them good. Exhibit A is Patrick Mahomes. A lot of the stuff is what he did well with Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. So much so that I remember a couple years ago when Gary Patterson's playing Texas Tech on TC, he says, no, we went and watched a bunch of Chiefs film. <laughs> we watched what Patrick was doing with the Chiefs when they went to do it. Because what he did is say, and, I, and I've, seen the, I've seen the Washington try to do that when RG3 was there or whatever, but Andy Reid has a mastery of going back and watching the college game. Why were these players successful? We want to put them in the same position in Kansas City. One approach I think the Chiefs might try to emulate, because I think I think last year's approach to the draft, free agency, et cetera, I think that's probably going to be more indicative of what they're going to have to do now. Well, and that was the first year that Mahomes had the big cap hit on, on the salary cap. I think that from here on out, the Chiefs are very much going to be looking to accumulate draft picks however they need to so that they can get as many shots at different players. Last year, they had issues in secondary. They just went out and just took three, and all three of those guys got got playing time there. And so it worked out perfectly for them because they were able to get so many rookies at so many different positions that were able to contribute, which helped them along and made them a competitive team at yeah, the end. Yeah, and you know, we've I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, the idea that, okay, you had this slam dunk draft class last year. You draft, what, it was nine players, eight of whom... Ten, but ten players, ten, ten, but nine. I think it was eight of whom that uh, that were contributors. Yeah, R- regular contributors, and we've sort of posed this hypothetical question or this open ended question of, since you did so well last year, does that allow you more leeway this season? And I think that's a tough question to answer because on the surface you would say, of course it does. Look at all the contributors you got from last year. But again, Andy Reid and Brett Veach aren't just saying, hey, they were great last year, so now let's swing for the fences. I think they're saying, okay. They were great last year. What are they going to be for our franchise? Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, perfect example, right? Okay, you got way more than you bargained for your rookie season. Do you view them as pieces that are going to be regular starters for the next three years? Or did you say, okay, that was nice. We still need to upgrade, right? Same with Leo Chanel. Hey, Great rookie season. Are you a piece we build around, or are you just a guy that we're going to get four years out of and then we let you go get paid somewhere It's hard else? to say. You can also, almost make a case that all 10 were used because Nazi Johnson played a lot of special teams yeah. for the Chiefs. You could also make that. But Brett Veach even said that when he was off McAfee as far as well, when you they can't pay. say all 10 because Kennard didn't play. Oh, Darian Kennard, but he's yeah. on the roster. He was on the he was he was he only suited for like three games. One of fifty three. <laughs> but he the, only suited but like the Mahomes deal really, as Veach said, was the catalyst for their youth movement. Yeah, it was a necessity. Yeah, I, I do think in general, though, I think there is an opportunity, not because of last year's draft class, but because your roster is so damn good. You got out from the Frank Clark contract. You had this bloated deal that was on the books the last two years. That's officially a thing of the past, even though you got dead cap hip, whatever. Where's the bad contract on this roster? The four big contracts that you have are Patrick Mahomes. I'm not even counting Travis Kelsey because he's getting paid like $15 million a year. That doesn't even count for me. It's the best contract in the NFL. It is the best contract in the NFL. I mean, I would argue Mahomes, but... I mean, you're getting in the number one receiver production for a guy making uh, 25th best receiver money, right? Like, that is insane value. So I'm going to exclude him. 
But your five big contracts in terms of just overall commitment, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Tooney, Chris Jones, which that money's probably going to change this offseason, yeah. and now uh, Juwan Taylor. That's it. You don't have a bad as, – as if, if we assume Juwan Taylor is going to be a fine player, you don't have a bad contract on the books, which means you are, like, you are allowed to make some risky moves somewhere. Like, like, it's not your job to avoid all risk as a GM. There's inherent risk in your job. I do think you're in a position right now as a franchise where you can say, we can swing, whether that's free agency, whether that's trades, whether that's in the draft – we have the ability to swing for the fences All because we have contracts. nailed everything we've done over the last 12 All months. All those rookie late-round contracts, man. You're not paying much. Yeah, hitting on the third-day picks has helped them out so much in terms of value uh, elsewhere. When you have two seventh-rounders doing what yeah. they're doing, yeah, making seventh-round money. If I would have told so you important. if I would have told you last year, hey, the Chiefs are going to get one regular contributor as a rookie from their day three picks, you would have taken that, right? Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And how many did they end up getting? Let's see, Dave, where you had Pacheco, you had Jalen Watson. Watson. Uh, Nazi Johnson played almost 60% yeah. of the snaps on special teams. And he was, he's a guy I think they really like as a, as a corner. He was, he, he tested really high. So you got, so Joshua you got, Williams, Darren Kennard, Watson, Pacheco, and Johnson like, were day like three William. picks. They like but if Williams. I just told you, you got Williams, Watson, and Pacheco, you got three guys who played for you all season on day three. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Perfect. I, you know how many grand slam. You know how many years we've gone here in Kansas City where third day they might have gotten one guy that kind of played a little bit, mm-hmm. let alone three yeah. guys that were getting starters time on the field. Well, how about the how about the year before that? Noah Gray in the fifth round. They're talking third day. He did contribute to these and yeah, Trey he, Smith. Yeah, in the sixth round, Come which I think we all knew Trey was going to be a steal. We all knew that. Yeah, there were the medical concerns, and then immediately the medical concerns were, <laughs> were a thing gone. of the past. They were gone. All right, we got one hour left here on character concerns. Coming up on the other side, we're going to talk about some of the festivities on draft week, and we'll let you hear an interview that the guys did with Chad Ryder of NFL Network and NFL.com. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.